Hey everyone, thanks for listening to today's podcast. Today's podcast comes directly from my Social Media 434 talk at the Western Fairs Association convention. It was absolutely unbelievable. I was blown away. We had 100 seats with standing room. We got up to about 130 people and still turned another 20 to 30 people away. So if you missed it, here it is. You're listening to Fair Game, the fair industry's premier podcast experience with your host, Robert Smith. Thank you for that introduction. Um, I remind me to thank my mom for writing it for me. That was really cool. Um, so she kind of gave you the quick rundown, um, but I'm curious because this is my first time back at WFA since 2012. Um, so if you guys have never heard of me, you've never seen any of my content on Facebook or Instagram or anything like that, could you raise your hand, please? That hurts. <laughs> uh, just a little bit. But hopefully here in another hour, you guys will be following and, and getting more of that content. Um, yeah, that's good. So like you said, uh, I actually got my started my fair start right here in Reno, Nevada at the Nevada State Fair. That was back in 2004. Um, my marketing mentor, Dean Hanke, has actually been wandering around the convention uh, the last couple of days. So it's been really cool to see him. Um, my question for you today and our goal today is to figure out a couple of things. First, what is the most important thing that is in your marketing plan? Okay, so that's the first question is of the day. What is the most important thing, if we are on, are we, we tested this. Did the tape break? We did just test it. Okay, two seconds. Always have a backup plan. Backup to the backup. There we go. What's the most important asset in your marketing plan? So shout stuff out. What is it? You got like Facebook, you got outdoor messaging. What are some of the most important things in your individual fairs marketing plans? Shout them out. Consistency. Consistency. Social media. What else? Engagement. Engagement. Personality. Personality. Content. Cool. You're all wrong. <laughs> the most important thing in for all of us, whether you're on the fair side or whether you're like me and you're on the entertainment side, and we've got a mixed group today. We've got performers in here. We've got fair people in here. Whether you're on the marketing side, maybe you're in facilities management. The most important thing for all of us is attention. That is what we are all chasing because no matter how cool that giant RCS Ferris wheel is, no matter how good your corn dogs are, no matter how cool your fortune machine is, no matter how cool whatever it is, is that your fair does, unless you have someone's attention, you cannot tell them how cool it is. So instead of going, how do we sell a ticket or how do I get booked? My question that my wife and I always ask when we're looking for our business is where do we get attention? Specifically, where's that attention underpriced? Because there's three types of attention. You have overpriced attention, appropriately priced attention, and underpriced attention. What do you think you would like to get the most of? Underpriced. What do you think most, fair, most fairs actually do? Big time. So. Today we're going to focus on where the, what is the overpriced and what is the underpriced attention. So question, 
does your event market like a business or do you market like a human being? And what I mean by that is this. Show of hands, how many of you in this room as a human being watch television when you want to watch it? So you watch Netflix, Amazon Prime, you DVR. Raise your hand if you watch TV on your time and not necessarily when the program airs. Wow, everybody. And yet as an industry, we're spending gadrillions of dollars on commercials during TV news that aren't getting seen. We're not even watching the commercials. Quick question, if you do DVR, raise your hand if you DVR, and keep your hand up if you fast forward through every commercial. Keep your hands up, guys. If you're up here in the front, turn around, look around behind you at how many hands are up. We are buying television commercials as a business, but as a human being, everyone in this room has just admitted if we, if we can avoid watching them, we do. This is why television commercials are now overpriced. You can put your hand down. You're good. <laughs> uh, now, you will get, if you work with marketing professionals, and I understand why they do this, respect, it's their business, you will get pushback that says, yeah, but even if they get up and they don't see the commercial, they can hear the commercial. And then what I need you to tell them is, that's nice, Karen. But when I do that and they only get 50% of my message, are you going to give me a 50% discount on the price and see what they say? There's a much, much cheaper way to do this. Let's talk about outdoor advertising, OOH. Has anybody ever heard that term, OOH, out of home? So that includes billboards, bus stop ads, all the kind of contacts you can have on a potential customer that's outside their home. Raise your hand if you do billboards. Wow, less than a quarter of the room. I love you guys. Here's my thing with billboards. When you're driving across this country, and for those of us who are performers that drive coast to coast, we drive all over this great nation of ours, and even if you aren't driving across this nation, when you're just driving in your hometowns, when you look at other people in other cars, what is almost every passenger in every car looking at? The road, hopefully. <laughs> the drivers, we hope, are looking at the road. But let's be honest, how many drivers are actually looking at the road? They're not seeing it. They're, they're not seeing the billboards. They can. Please understand, I'm not some kind of digitalist telling you only Facebook is the way you should go. Like, in three years, Facebook will end up being overpriced. And I'm going to be back here speaking going, you guys are still doing Facebook? What is wrong with you? I'm looking for underpriced attention because all of us in this fair industry, how many of you in this, in this room are your fair subject to government funding? Or the lack of. Or the lack of. <laughs> Wouldn't it be nice to make a little bit more so that know how to be able to generate that revenue and cut costs and still get your message out so that when the California legislature says, oh, well, we need to cut the fair fund, that you guys feel like you got a shot? So when we're doing this, here we go, we're not going again. Why is this timing out on me? Sorry, guys, give us a second here. OK, I can probably advance them by hand. It's right there. All right. So. We're looking at, we're good, thank you. Um, again, I'm not just against, I'm, it's not about all digital and, and I'm, I'm poo-pooing traditional media. One of the worst purchases you can make in marketing is a digital banner ad. 
digital, like, let's be honest, again, when we market as a human being or do we market as a business, raise your hand if you go to your local TV station's website and then you watch, read a sports story or you watch a video and then you scroll down the page and you happen to see a banner ad and you've clicked on it. Nobody's raising their hand. The majority of clicks that happen on pop-ups and banner ads, do you know why they get clicked? Because our thumbs are fat <laughs> and those X's are small. And you're getting annoyed because some Samsung keeps saying, buy this, buy this, and you're like, no, 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 I want to close this. Meanwhile, everybody at Samsung is like, look at all these clicks we've got. We're doing great. Let's debate the merit of an impression. You can create a negative impression with your consumer because if your ad's popping up and they're like, no, I don't want to deal with the fair right now, and now they've launched your page, you're robbing them of 20 seconds because now they've got to go get that closed and go back to what they were doing. What is the most valuable asset all of us have? Time, which is why this device has taken over our lives because this device saves us time. So let's keep going here. Uh, let's talk about what underpriced attention looks like. Underpriced attention is simply paying less for something than what it is worth. So a quick story. You guys know who this is? Walt Disney. I was a cast member. I actually met my wife uh, working for Disney back in 2000. And if I could take a moment and digress, I'm very thrilled to say that my wife and son are actually here with me at the convention. She's back here running my camera for me. Could you clap it up for them? It's been a long time coming, but we're now, I think, within about 24 months of her leaving her job, and we're going to be full-time fair together. So we're very excited for that. But we met back in Disney. And when you start working as a Disney cast member, they do a class called Traditions where they teach you all about the history of Disney and how they do their advertising and marketing and what their company culture is about. One of the stories they have is about Walt Disney and his purchase of all the land in Florida for Disney World. So the story goes like this. It's 1964, and in the swamps of central Florida, there are five or six shell companies that start making large land purchases out of nowhere. Of course, that starts to get people curious as to who's buying up all this land. Now, here's what underpriced looks like. What do you guys think land in Central Florida is worth right now? 100,000 an acre, a million an acre? Walt started and his initial land costs were about $80 an acre. How many of you would like to have bought that land at $80 an acre? Yeah, so people started getting curious. The Orlando Sentinel started asking questions. They thought it was an aerospace company. But of course, as we now know, Walt Disney was the guy who went and purchased all of this land. And when it got out that it was Disney, because remember, Disneyland had already opened in the 50s. When it got out that in Central Florida, Disney was coming into the Orlando area, the price skyrocketed. His final purchases were $80,000 an acre. But the overwhelming majority of that land in Central Florida, that 47 square miles that Walt now owns, that Disney Corporation owns, was purchased for less than, on average, less than a few hundred bucks an acre, which makes Walt Disney and his pals straight gangster when it comes to underpriced land deals. Why do I tell this story? Because out here in this world, it's 2019. But in here in this world, it's 1964. And the prices are 1964. But Walt Disney 
and Coca-Cola and the biggest company in the companies in the world are starting to figure this out. And when they do, they will price us out of this. This is a marketplace. When you buy an ad on Facebook, you are making a bid for that space, for that, those eyeballs. When Coca-Cola starts saying, that's worth $100,000 to us, none of us are going to be able to afford to get in it. So we need to strike while this iron is hot. And we've probably, depending on how things go with Facebook, they kind of took a little hit. I don't know if you saw Mark Zuckerberg got dragged before Congress, embarrassed all of Congress. <laughs> But once these companies catch on, we're going to be priced out. So I want you guys to be able to get at this while there is time and while that, under, that attention is cheap. So the question is, where can you buy underpriced attention? And the answer is super simple. Facebook and Instagram. There are others, like there's five or six platforms out there that dominate our attention. Facebook and Instagram is where you can buy underpriced attention. Just over 30 seconds, consider this, just over 30 seconds of every minute that we spend on our smartphone is spent in only between five and eight apps. Think about that. Not even your phone app. <laughs> We're talking Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter, Pinterest, those kind of apps. Just over 30 seconds of it, of every minute, is in those apps. So. The fairs I see are starting to get this figured out, and some of them are starting to see record attendance. This is, I, I don't know, how many of you guys read Carnival Warehouse? You ever read, read their updates? You really should, because they're their stuff, follow them on Facebook. They give regular reports, they do interviews with fair managers and kind of figure out what's going on at the fairs. I, every, I read every time they drop something. So last year, of course, a lot of us know that the Minnesota, Minnesota State Fair was absolutely crushing records. Like eight of their 12 days, they broke attendance records. They completely shattered things. But it concerns me when another one of our fairs that is one of the largest fairs in our country has a new amphitheater, they're selling out shows, it's so amazing, and their attendance is flat, even with good weather. But then you read Carnival Warehouse and you go down and you realize 97% of their ad buy was on traditional media, and only 3% was digital. And my guess is probably at least half of that 3% on digital was digital banner ads. Here's the thing on banner ads. Do you guys know why they get sold? Why your ad companies are like, yeah, yeah, we'll get you a digital banner ad? Because it's almost pure profit for the, for the companies that sell them. You're literally creating a little file, and you're putting it, plugging it into a computer, and it's done. So digital banner ads. When they say, like, if it were me, if, and I've talked to fairs, number of fair managers that they say, well, we did that because we had $1,000 left, we had a $100,000 budget, we had $1,000 left, and someone said, well, we could do banner ads. For me, that would be a really idea. If I had $1,000 left in my budget, I would put it straight back into Facebook and Instagram, because that's where the attention is underpriced. The greatest ad product ever created is Facebook. Here's why. How many of you have used Facebook's ad product? Raise your hands. And just for clarification, I don't mean you've put out a, you've published something and then you've boosted it. I mean you've actually used the ads manager. Okay, maybe about a quarter of you. So here's the deal: boosting posts is the equivalent of taking a megaphone and standing on it and, and using the megaphone to boost your voice on a street corner. Using their actual ads manager is the equivalent of using that megaphone on the street corner, but only 
the 12 people around you that are most likely to buy hear it. So here's how we do that. To get to Ads Manager, if you're not familiar, you guys have all seen this. This is um, your, your, uh, your dashboard, basically, for Facebook. It's your feed. You're going to click the down arrow in the top right. You can get to this through your phone. So for me, it's easier to do it in a desktop or laptop environment. So you're going to click there where it says Create Ads or Manage Ads. And that's going to bring you to a page that looks like this. And for those of you in the back, it's kind of hard to read, but I'll read it out for you. You've basically got three columns of marketing objectives. So if your objective is awareness, that's over on the left. If you just want reach, you want people to know that you generally have a brand, Facebook's algorithm can set you up. If you use that, it will be beneficial to you. If you have consideration, if you want video views, so if you guys have a commercial that you're spending gadrillions of dollars to run on television, you could run it on Facebook for a lot cheaper. You can click video views. How many of you guys, your fairs have apps? Anybody have an app developed? If you have an app developed, they actually have an ad product set up specifically for app installs. Anybody do online ticketing? Yeah, good. Over here on the right, you have conversions where you can do catalog sales or store visits. And literally, you can tie that straight into your ticketing. And you can track how many are, what your tickets are doing. Um, when you guys create your Facebook ads, does anybody segment out the, the content? Two. This next part's going to be really cool. Here's why I say Facebook is the best ad product you've ever created. Because we, as a collective society, have given Facebook all of our data. They know everything about us. And so isn't it amazing how you're talking to somebody on Messenger about something cool like a watch or a vacation, and then all of a sudden, Southwest Airlines start popping up in your feed? <laughs> right? Like, that's just it. So this is how they do it, because the ad buyers, and this is what Mark Zuckerberg got in a lot of trouble for, because Congress couldn't figure out. Congress thought they were saying, well, this is Troy Bowers, and this is his name, and this is his age, and this is they, the, they thought Facebook was giving out all that information. That's not what Facebook does. You create your ad product, you give it to Facebook and say, I want it to go to people that look like Troy Brower. Do that, and you segment it out. So here's how segmentation looks. These are examples. You could potentially segment out hundreds of pieces of content. But let's say you had created a piece of content, and it was for females, generally geared towards females, 25 to 45. They've got children. They may or may not be married, and they live within, say, 50 miles of your fair. Okay? Their kids might be involved in activities. Segment A, what do we normally call this group of moms? Soccer moms. By the way, if you don't realize, they're probably responsible for about 80% of the buying decisions at your fair. Do you think you should cater to that group of people? Yes. Yeah, I sure would. <laughs> so you could create a piece of content that focuses on the, th the needs of a, of a mom who's coming to the fair with her family, with her kids. So you could include things like, literally, if you have nursing stations, if you have baby changing stations, I would advertise that. Paint a complete picture of how a 32-year-old mom with a 6-year-old would navigate the fair. If you look at content B, you've got male or female, 55 to 85, they're retired, they live within 50 miles of your fair, or 30, or whatever your, your radius is. These are retirees. Do they look at the fair a little bit different than a young mother does? You can create a video separate from your original video that shows what seniors might be doing at their fair. Are senior citizens going to be on the rides going, ah? Probably not. Although, listen, 
Betty White just turned 97. And I just think if you could, even if you had to do a CGI of this, getting Betty White to help out like with the San Diego County Fair and Betty White, can you imagine her on a roller coaster? Like that would, that would be huge. You want a viral video at Steve Fair there. I just did your marketing for you right there. Uh, content C, I didn't get the ages right on this one, but male, female, 18 to 35 or 55 or whatever, they like country music. So here's a cool thing you can do to segment out. Let's say you've got Toby Keith coming to your fair. You, could, you can target out. You can put your ad in and say, we want this to go to people who are fans of Toby Keith. And we also want it to go to people who are fans of Reba and Garth and Florida Georgia Line. And then they all see it. Because even if they're not a huge fan of Toby Keith, they're more likely to respond to it. So you can do all this segment, segmentation. But the point here is, we need to be creating more content and tailoring it to individual audiences. Okay? How many of you do a television commercial or a video for your fair that either goes out on TV or Facebook? Raise your hands. And for how many of you does your commercial sound something like this? <clears throat> the county fair is coming to town. Ride on the rides. Eat all the corn dogs. Have all the fun you can handle. The county fair. Get your tickets now. Be honest. Raise your hand if that's your commercial. Okay? How many of you ever saw Stanislaus County Fair like three years ago, Imagine the Memories? Little kids get on the Ferris wheel in the 50s, goes around in a circle, and as the Ferris wheel's going around, the camera pans out over the fairgrounds, comes back, and now they're teenagers, they're dating, comes back, now they're married and they have a child, comes back, now they're senior citizens. Imagine the memories at the Stanislaus County Fair. Have you seen that? Raise your hand. If you have not, write this down. YouTube search. Imagine the memories, Stanislaus County Fair. Watch it, and you will look at a video that is the greatest fair commercial that has ever been produced. Next to maybe the LA County Fairs where they had the blondes on Rodeo Drive that thought cashmere came from a cow. <laughs> that one was good, too. But the reason that one worked really well, the reason that one worked very well for LA is because it played off the stereotype. And the whole catchphrase was, if there's any county that needs a fair, it's LA. <laughs> right? And so it, it was in context for so many of their people. We really can do a whole lot better on the stuff we're creating. And I'm going to throw this out just as an idea. I was going to save this one until later in the end. Uh, is anybody from Stanislaus here in the room? Nobody yet? Okay. Here's the thing. Here's what Stanislaus could do. And I would challenge any of you in this room to do it. How many of you have a budget that's kind of constricted and it would be really difficult to produce a, a commercial of that level? Okay, here's what I would suggest. Get other fairs to pay for it, and here's how you do it. Stanislaus County Fair could license that commercial. It is that good. They could license it out to a half a dozen other fairs in different media markets across the country for 5000 for the year. Most fairs probably can't afford twenty dollars or $30,000 in production costs, but could they afford 3000 or 5000 in a license fee for that year? Possible. So what if you were the smaller fair that said, we don't have a lot, but we're going to produce one heck of a video, and then we're going to be the ones that license it out to other people. So think about this. You spend 10000 to produce it, and over the next three years, you license it out to five fairs a year at $3,000 a year, and now you've made 100000 plus on a video that cost you $10,000. Just my little revolutionary idea. If you like it, you can clap. If you don't, you don't have to clap. 
So a couple things you got to deal with with Facebook here. Two things I want you to know and I want you to use frequently. One is the unpublished post. How many of you know what an unpublished post is? Like three of you. Cool. So here's the thing. When you put an ad on Facebook, whether you publish the piece of content and click boost, or whether you go into the ads manager and click publish, when you go into that ads manager, as you're producing your content, telling it here, I want it to go to Toby Keith fans in this age and this distance from my fairgrounds, there's a checkbox that says unpublish this post. I want you to start doing it. Here's why the unpublished post is so valuable. It allows you to produce multiple pieces of content and one, not clutter your wall. Facebook's algorithm, if you're just producing, producing, throwing just everything out all the time, will actually downrank you because it looks like spam behavior. So if you tell it unpublish, what happens is, like that segment of country music fans, only they are going to see it. I'm sort of a country music fan. I'm not anywhere near some of your fairs. I'm based out of Albuquerque. So if the San Diego County Fair says, we want everybody within 100 miles of our fair to see this ad. If I go to the San Diego County Fair's page, I won't see it because I'm in Albuquerque. So what that does is it helps kind of protect that algorithm and where you're bumping up in the feed. That's the first thing. Here's the real valuable thing for data. It will allow you to A-B test things. Anybody here A-B test their marketing? Cool. If you're not familiar with what that means, it's where you put out two almost identical pieces of content, but maybe the music's different in one or maybe the... Uh, maybe one piece of content's 57 seconds and the other one's 30 seconds. And all this, but what you, the idea is you take these two pieces of content, say I'm going to run these for five days against the same market, against the same segmentation, and I'm going to spend $10 on each one. And then after a week when you go, wow, the 57 second one is getting way more engagement, you delete them both, you load the 57 second one into the ads manager and then you put your 500, 1,000, a quadrillion, however many dollars behind that because then you know it works. And it works because you A-B test it. So that means only those segmentations are seeing it and you get the data on how to respond to it. Other thing you need to do, Facebook's tracking pixel. Anybody here use the tracking pixel? You're good. You like, you're raising your hand on everything. If you sell online tickets, this is super valuable. If you don't, but you want to have an idea of who's seeing what, the tracking pixel can be very valuable. So, quick story on the tracking pixel. Anybody ever heard of a company called Purple Mattress? <laughs> yeah, he knows. He already knows what I'm talking about. What's your name, by the way? Thomas. Tom, you need to come to every one of my, show, my presentations, man. Um, so, Purple Mattress, they worked with a company called the Harmon Brothers to create a video that went madly viral. But they very, very precisely use the tracking pixel for most Facebook. Google has a pixel also that you can utilize. And here's basically what it does. It's a little line of code that's a little bit more advanced than what the traditional cookie was that the internet browsers have used for years. So this pops up in my feed because it was about two years ago. I'm starting, my wife and I are starting to look for a new mattress. I Google new mattress. I look for this and I'm like, eh, I don't know, nothing really thrills me here. Next day, purple mattress pops up in my feed, as if they're not watching every move we make. So I click on it, and I'm like, this is interesting. I've never seen a mattress like that. I click on it. I look at the video. I'm like, oh, that's clever. So maybe you'll put it in the back of my head. I go about my life. From that moment on, for the next three months, every single time I logged into Facebook, there was the purple mattress lady smiling back at me. <laughs> 
and not only on Facebook, because when you get into that ads manager, Facebook will say, where do you want your ad to run? On Facebook in the mobile feed, on Facebook on the desktop feed, on Instagram, on Instagram stories, or they have a thing over here called the audience network. So when I went to local TV station sites, there was another impression, and it looked like a banner ad. So if you want to have that effect of a banner ad, don't go buy a digital banner ad. Create your ad, load it into Facebook, and tell it only go out on the audience network. Here's why that's more valuable. Because a banner ad that you just give to a company, your local TV station, and they say, yeah, we'll put it up. You don't know who's seeing it. But that audience network still has Facebook's targeting capability and segmentation behind it. So this ad chased me and chased me and chased me. Now, admittedly, I decided against purchasing a purple mattress. Sorry. However, the question then becomes, all right, at which point does that tracking pixel stop working for us as fares? Super simple. Either your event date has passed, your user clicks that little down arrow and says, don't show me this ad anymore, or they buy your ticket. That's a retargeting capability. So you can literally tell people, because what that pixel does, here's where you put that, that pixel, that little line of code. If you're selling tickets online, you drop it on your ticket. Whatever your target page is where they click the tickets, that's where you drop it. If you're not sure how to do it, if you're using someone like Sapphire or whoever's creating your website, let them know. They will know exactly where to drop that code. If you're doing your own website and you're like, I don't know what to do, then the question is, do you like to read your information or watch your information? Because Google, number one search engine in the world. Number two search engine, YouTube. So if you're not sure, Google, how do I use the Facebook tracking pixel? You'll get 300 million results. Probably in the first five, you're going to have your answer. But what happens is, if I see that the Stanislaus County Fair's got a buy one, get one, or some sort of special on my ad, and I go, oh, that's cool. Let me do this. Click. I go look at it. I see the dates. And I go, oh, there's some really cool stuff here. Let me, I'm going to wait and talk to Sarah about it. That ad, because it is now, what they say is it fires. That's the term that Facebook used. The, the pixel has fired. And at what point then that you leave and you haven't, if you haven't purchased or your consumer has not converted and bought a ticket, now on their Facebook feed, here's my fare ticket, here's the fare ticket, here's the fare ticket, and it keeps staying in their face. So Facebook will keep that in their face for you. That's the real advantage on the tracking pixel. You should absolutely use it. Uh, next question here, brand building versus advertising. Has anyone ever wrestled with the question, what is the difference between branding and advertising? Okay, Super simple. Two, not this past year in San Antonio, but the year before, last year in Las Vegas, I had fair managers come up to me that said, Robert, we just sat through an hour of a class on branding and marketing, and we still don't understand. I, what, why, what is the difference? So it's really simple. Here it is. Marketing, advertising, that is dollars and cents based. That is sales conversions. That is how much you spent versus how much you made. It is a numbers game. Brand building or your brand is just fancy marketers talk for what is your reputation. That's it. And here's how you can build reputation. Like, real quick, I mean, if you look around this room, you've got people that are wearing Nike, 
Under Armour, they have iPhone, they have Droid. Those companies didn't put a pixel on you that chased you around the internet and you finally said, oh, fine, I'll buy a Droid. They won on brand because you went, well, that's a Samsung or that's Nike, so it has to be, that's what they win on is on brand. And what I want to encourage every fair in this room to do and every fair in our industry to do, start winning on brand. You guys have great products that you're, you offer. Win on that, win on your reputation. Uh, how do you do that? <clears throat> Instagram is the way you want to go to build your brand. You can do it on Facebook. You can definitely use these techniques on Facebook. But on Instagram, it is amazingly easier. So here's how you do it. Anybody ever use, any of you use Instagram search to track what's going on at your fair? Like three people, cool. Next year, if I ask this question, I want all your hands to go up. Because here's how you track your data on Instagram. You use Instagram search. How many of you use Instagram? Straight up, the, the app itself. Okay, if you don't, you should go to the app store. You should download it, create an account. Even if you publish no content, just so you kind of familiarize with how the app works and its functionality. So to use Instagram search, here's an example. Down at the bottom of Instagram, there's a little magnifying glass. That's the search function. It's going to bring you to a page that looks like this. I've typed in up at the top, Pima County Fair. And you're going to get some results. First result, that's Pima County Fair's actual Instagram page. If you are the Pima County Fair, you don't need to click on that one. You already know what's there. The next two, though, are where PayDirt is. The first is Pima County Fair's hashtag and a word on hashtags. You can pick your hashtag, but you can't own your hashtag. Anybody can drop content on that hashtag, okay? So, actually, I don't want to get ahead of anybody. Anybody not familiar with what a hashtag is? Everybody's got it, cool. Next one, you see a little black circle with a black dot in it? That's the location because on Instagram, you can tag two different ways. You can tag with the hashtag or you can tag with the location. You should go through those and look at both of them because what's going to happen is you're going to click on the hashtag and it's going to show you top posts. So if you see here top, those are the ones that get the most engagement in that community. Those users might just be people your fair might want to partner with to generate more buzz about your fair because these are usually very influential people within your community. They are not the Kardashians. You will not have to give them $100,000 to make a post. But these might be people that you look at their content, and if they're really well engaged in your community, you might want to send them a little message that says, hey, we saw your, your content. You take fantastic photos of our fair. Would you mind if we repost one of yours on our Instagram page? There's an app. Instagram, you can't, like on Twitter, you can click retweet right in the app. On Instagram, you have to go to the App Store and download Repost app for Instagram, and then you have that capability. You might engage with them. But on all of these posts, you need to be liking, commenting, and on some of them, use the Repost app, because that is engaging with your, your customers. These are the people that came, took their time, spent their money to come to their fair. Okay? It blows me away, the number of brands, and it's not just fairs, that have people that come to their Facebook and Instagram page and leave a comment and they never get a reply. Let me ask you this. How many of you, if a fair guest came into your office and said, I've got a concern about the parking situation, would turn around and ignore them? Would anybody do that? Or would you deal with the customer right there? 
How many of you, if someone came in and said, we just wanted to let you know, this, my son's finally tall enough to get on the Ferris wheel. We had the best time. It, we, this was just fantastic. Thank you for putting on a great event. How many of you would look them in the eye and do this? <laughs> None of you. And yet, almost all of us do it on our Facebook and Instagram. Guys, remember, this device right here, this represents the biggest shift in communication history for human beings since the printing press. This is where we communicate now. So when someone reaches out to you and says, and I get with the complaints, like people go, oh, the food was too expensive. Like, there's 100 million of those people. But when someone has genuine concern, we need to address it on Facebook and Instagram. When someone says, we had a fabulous time, we need to address it. And I challenge everyone in this room, take it one step farther. Use things like Instagram search. Go find them. This is content they're taking at your fair. If you want to have an idea of what's super popular at your fair, you could swipe through that list. The top post, and then you can go to recent, which puts them chronologically and who's doing it most recently. That's a really good idea. That's loaded with data for you. So go in, take it one step further, engage with those people, tell them it's fabulous, great picture, we're so glad you could come to our fair. Here's why. Anybody here on Twitter? Cool. Any of you ever tweeted at your favorite celebrity and then they liked or commented back? And you're like, oh my god, that was amazing. Like, and I see it all the time. Southwest Airlines, I do it. Like, I, every time we fly, and you see it if you're on Twitter or Instagram, there's the picture out the window of the winglet with the Southwest logo. And the person says, can't wait to get out of the cold weather and finally go to Disney World. This is going to be an awesome trip. Thanks, Southwest Air. And then Southwest replies and says, we're so glad you're flying with us today. Tell Mickey Mouse we said, hey. It's so, it seems so trivial. But to the person who receives it, they're like, Southwest Airlines just replied to me. Like the official verified Southwest Airlines just replied to me. That is so cool. It costs nothing. It is the equivalent of when you go to Disney World, when that family gets there, and they walk through the gate, and a cast member looks at the six-year-old and says, hey, bud, welcome. Here's a Mickey sticker for you. You know what that costs at Disney? Nothing. Do you know what it means to the guests? Meaningful interactions. Let's get there on, um, tw on Twitter, Instagram. Does anybody do that now? Do you actively go seek out your user's content? A few of you. Now, I get it. When it's during fair time, it's easy for me to say this as an entertainer to be like, just do more on social. <laughs> like, super simple. But I also understand, having worked with a number of you in this room, that your mornings start at 6 AM and they end probably at 2 AM. I get that it's exhausting. But those relationships don't have to just be built during the fair time. Because here's a trick about Facebook's algorithm. If you are like a lot of fairs, and I mean the majority of fairs, you ramp your social up about three or four weeks before your fair, you put tons of stuff out during the fair, and then your fans don't hear from you again for the rest of the year until you need a ticket again. So start engaging with them throughout the year and do meaningful engagements. Do you remember at the beginning we talked about marketing as a human being versus marketing as a business? So let me go back to that for a second. As a business, as a performer, as an exhibitor in the trade show, I watch. I go to a half a dozen trade shows a year. Some do more, some do less. But on our side, we all know, especially if you do IAFE, 
on the third day of the trade show, all y'all are walking around the trade show with your badges flipped backwards. <laughs> Why? Someone tell me. Oh, we're tired of getting hassled. You don't want to get called directly by name. Because what do we, on our side, exhibitors in the room, please listen carefully, what do we do? We stand there with our things going, here's my flyer, here's my flyer, here's my flyer. In other words, buy my crap, buy my crap, buy my crap. We have no context or relationship with you. By the way, I don't do that. <laughs> However, let's flip the script on this. How many of you as fairs, when you lead up to your fair, does almost every single Facebook post include, click this link to buy a ticket. Buy, 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 buy. See, as a business, we all behave the same way. As human beings, you get annoyed because so many exhibitors are like, do that, buy, buy my stuff, talk to me, talk to me. And you're like, no, no, no. What happens to your customers when they're sitting at home on Facebook and every post you're putting out says, buy a ticket, buy a ticket, buy a ticket. Let's create meaningful content. Let's start thanking our people that are attending our fairs. Here's a quick story for you. There's a, Gary Vaynerchuk wrote a book called The Thank You Economy. It's one of his, was one of his least sold books, but is his best book. And here's how you play Thank You Economy. There was a fair that I'd been trying to get to down in Florida for a number of years. And I was finally able to break through to them. And they booked me in on a two-year deal. End of February, I'll be down there again. So in order to say thank you, because I'm friends with the fair manager on Facebook, because I have context on her, I know she is a huge Motown music fan. Because she's always sharing videos of the Four Tops and the Temptations and people like that. I myself, I see Pat dancing back there because she knows what I'm talking about. I myself am a huge Motown music fan. So this is cool. We have common ground. And so I decided, after she came up to me and said, we want to book you for a two-year deal, I wanted to say thank you. And here's how I said thank you. I went to eBay. I found, found a signed gold record of The Temptations. I bought it. I framed it. And I sent it to her. The response was ridiculous. Because it wasn't, I wasn't looking for her to be like, oh, Robert, you're so great. No, no, no. I wanted to genuinely thank her in a meaningful way. And now she knows I have real context on her. We have a relationship. We understand each other now. But here's what happened from my, uh, my perspective. And I didn't realize how well this hit until, and I, I might have timed this pretty well. It was about a month before the Florida convention that I mailed it. I go to the Florida convention. We're at the president's party, and a board member from another fair comes up to me and says, hey, you were the one that sent that record to so-and-so? Yeah? That's really cool of you. Just in case you need to know, my wife loves Brad Paisley. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, economy. Now, am I saying that you need to go find out everything from every guest and start buying them gold records? No. But here's how you can play thank you economy. When you're in this search and you flip through a little bit and you find the photo of the kid with a beaming smile and mom's put the caption that says, he was so excited he could finally get on the Ferris wheel. 
why don't you go to their go to their account up in the top right there's three little dots click it tell it send message if you ever heard the phrase dm that is direct message that's what it is and send them a message that says hey we saw your photo it's fantastic we're so glad little little johnny had a great time finally on the ferris wheel if you get a minute swing by your our office we've got something for you and hook them up with a, a, a county fair hat or a something or uh, some food coupons or and they're like wow really just it, that means something to our guests when you start playing thank you economy you start building real long-term long-term relationships I have other performers that look at me and they say you know Robert the most of the people that you're friends with they're not even the entertainment buyer aren't you wasting your time no because most of the people that I'm friends with that aren't entertainment buyers are under 35 and when they are 40, 45, and they are the fair manager, I don't have to market. The marketing's done. Build long-term, let's stop thinking short-term, how do we sell a ticket? Let's start thinking, how do we build our brands and our communities? And a final thought, and then I wanna to get to some Q&A, and please, when we do the Q&A, if you have questions specific to your affairs, ask me. Um, I'll pop my information back up at the end of this. Please take a photo of it or write it down. Follow me. If you guys have questions about how any of this works, I don't charge to consult with any fairs. Okay? I make my money as a performer. I enjoy, I love what I do. This is something I do because I want to see long-term success in the fair industry. So here's my final thought. And then we're going to go to Q&A. If you look around at the way the world has changed over the last decade, 12 years technically, since the iPhone showed up, Multi-billion dollar companies have disappeared from the face of the earth because they didn't take this device seriously. People looked at this and said, no one's gonna put their credit card number in this. How many of you put your credit card number in this? How many of you have your social security numbers? You're like, maybe not that, but like, you have your information in this. We all want to talk about privacy. Privacy is kind of dead. <laughs> and like, and you, it just, it is to an extent, we can still control some of it. But my thing is, if you don't want that out, don't put it out there. But major, major companies have gone out of business. And I mean companies that are larger than your fares. When Circuit City is gone, they were a multi-billion dollar company. How many of you have a multi-billion dollar fare? They're gone. Please do not think that we are immune because we get state funding or because we're a fare. We always have to have a fare. Over the next 20 years, there will be fares that disappear. It's just the way it is. It is this, we can get ahead of it though using social media. And speaking of using social, cutting out the middleman and controlling our own destinies, how many of you have kids that watch Ryan's toy reviews on YouTube? Yes, yes. So let me tell you a little something about Ryan. And before I bring this slide up, it was mentioned at the beginning, I spoke in last August at Florida Festivals and Events Association. A good friend of mine, Nick Borelli, was there. He was giving a, a, another talk on brand building. Uh, you're going to see Nick Borelli's information on the bottom of this. If you want to contact him and get consulting, he's amazing. But I straight stole his slide like a gangster. So this is his slide. This is Ryan. 
He's now got, I think, over 15 million um, subscribers on YouTube. He's well over 20 billion views now. He makes between 11 and 17, 18 million dollars annually. He's eight. Is he the highest paid YouTuber now? Yeah. Think about that. How many of you have a budget that's between 11 and 17 million dollars? I sure don't. The reason this happened is because the internet, this internet thing that people, some people still think is a fad or will go away or we will pull back from that, it's not happening. We're not going back. We're only going forward. This happened, Ryan happened, because another company that should have run that YouTube channel didn't do it. Which company that should have run that YouTube channel and taken that $20 million is now out of business? That's it. Let's be real. Airbnb, that should have been something that Marriott did. Mere Shuttle should have created Uber. We are in a whole different world with this social media thing, and we need to desperately take this seriously. Thank you, guys. Let's do some Q&A. Thank you. Let's, let's do, uh, like, what do we have? Like, it's 22 minutes or so. If we've got some Q&A, raise your hands. Let's do questions. Yes? So I know you said to use the ad manager page always. So you don't recommend for us to use the, the Facebook, like, uh, there's like a. The boost? No, there's like an app specifically for your page manager? Okay, so yeah, pages manager, the, what he's, the question was, should we use the ads manager or should we be using the pages manager? It's actually two separate spheres, okay? Ads manager is gonna control your ads, whether you use it in a desktop environment or on, on a mobile app. The pages manager, what that does is if you have the Facebook app, you can kind of control your pages through that, but they have the Pages Manager app that makes it more efficient to control your pages that way. Although the app's not very good. Just saying. <clears throat> as good as Facebook is, you would think they would do that. So that's two separate things. Does that answer your question? Cool. The Fair Game podcast, I can't get it to pop up. How do I if you so, for whatever reason, because we just started it not like I, last fall, if you want to check out the podcast, if you go, it's on Google. Are you on Google? Or are you on, you're on iPhone? If you search in the store in the iTunes, "fair game" by Robert Smith, that seems to be the search phrase that brings it up. Do I advertise on my podcast? Not yet. Not yet. I don't. It's just not. I don't know. Eventually, maybe. Questions? Others? Yes, ma'am. What I do is when I have a moment throughout the day, I and I try to go "fair game" by Robert Smith. Yes. And then I tell them, I put up a little thing that says, uh, stop by for a free cookie. Sure. Or, uh, and can I just say on those free cookies, I'm, I met Gigi at the OC Fair, and that works really well on the free cookie thing. Oh, Because yeah, <laughs> I come get all her cookies. <laughs> uh, or, you know, buy a small, get a medium. Some sure. Call to action. And if somebody's already there, uh, I think of them, maybe they're a season pass holder. Uh, sure. And then invite them also. Sure. Come back. Sure. So if you're a vendor in the room, um, you need to be putting as many points of contact on your um, consumers as possible. Gigi's in the position at OC Fair where, because it is a very large fair, there are a number of cookie vendors there. So how does she stand out? Well, if you are at your, here's one idea for a vendor, and I don't know your cost. This has to all be within your realm. Uh, you know what your bottom lines are. 
But maybe you say, hey, I'll upsize you for, you know, from a small to a large on a drink if you like us on Facebook and start to build up your, your following that way. But yes, um, any type of lost leaders come in, get a free cookie with a purchase, like, that works. Other questions? Yes? So for our care, we're very, very, very small. Okay. We have like two office staff. And we have since taken on a junior fair board. Okay. In that board, we have a social media child, you know, teenager. Social media child. <laughs> okay. A teenager that's actually helping us with social media promotion. Okay. How do you not consume your life with social media? I mean, you, we have them using the plan app to pre-plan our posts. Of course. Is there any... How do you let it not consume? So the question is, how do you let social media not consume I mean, your life? It's so time-consuming, and we don't have a paid staff person to do it. So we have, you know, this junior fair board. Right. So a couple things. Let me address a couple points in that. So the question is, how do you let social media not consume your life when it's this important? And here's the deal. One, you mentioned you have a junior fair board kid doing it. Be very careful with this. Because here's the, and I don't, know, I don't know who this is, I don't know how they, old they are, but I've talked to a number of fairs that go, oh yeah, our board member's nephew, he's 19, he knows all that stuff, he does it for, for us. But let me tell you what 19-year-old dudes are using Facebook and Twitter and Tinder for. <laughs> Swiping left and right and hooking up with chicks. <laughs> you all know how to tell your story and communicate it. And I'm a big proponent that if we don't tell our story, someone else is going to do it for us. Namely, the Humane Society of the United States and PETA. Yeah. So how do you not let it consume your life? Document, don't create. We spend so much time figuring out what's the perfect message, how do we craft it, how do we do this, how do we edit this, how do we, how do we make that graphic, what pe what's the perfect piece of content? There isn't one. Document what you're doing, document what your fare is, and put it out. And here's the, here's the next thing. I always get this question. We really want to have a viral video. How do we do that? <laughs> you want the answer? You don't. The market decides, and that's the, that's the thing that's so beautiful about the internet now. The middleman is cut out. What if I told you that the greatest song that Michael Jackson ever wrote, that you never heard it and it never made it to an album? It's entirely possible because back in that day, there was a room full of suits. He played that music and they went, no, 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 these five songs, not those five songs. Now if you're an artist, you can use SoundCloud and Spotify and I just put it all out. There are artists out there that their songs are finally popping that they put out three years ago, but that's the song that finally catches and puts them on. So when I say document, I mean tell people what you do at the fair, show people what you do at the fair, and put it out. Those are great pieces of content. They're super easy to do. You do not need fancy, fancy camera equipment. How many of you, since we're in a social media talk, have a device that looks kind of like this in your pocket? If you've got anything past, say, the iPhone 5 and up, you've got a camera that is good enough to do this content. If you have a Samsung, you had a camera that was good enough to do this content two years ago. Because <laughs> that's what Apple does, is two years later. Other questions? Does that answer your question? Yeah, but how do you feel about like, pre-planned posts? Pre-planned posts. Always a good idea. But here's the real sticking point on this. If you have an emergency on your fairgrounds, 
and I mean anything from an active shooter to while you're setting up, uh, a lineman gets elected. Like that happened three, two, three years ago when I was coming into South Florida Fair. They had somebody who made contact with an overhead power line and they were killed. Rita immediately killed all their ads. Everything pre-planned, pause. Because what kind of image does it say when you, the news says, here's the news story in my feed that says, linemen accidentally killed at the South Florida Fair, and the next thing says, come buy a ticket to the South Florida Fair. So pre-planned is good, but always have multiple points of contact that can get those things shut off. Keeping in mind, that person may not be at the fair that night. You might have a marketing director that has the passwords for everything, and if they're the only person, and they've gone home ill, and then something goes down, y'all are screwed. So make sure when you're meeting with your boards and you're coming up with your crisis plans, like we all have a crisis plan of, OK, who does what to make sure we get people to safety, we move them away from a fire, we move them away from the gunshots, or whatever it is. We put those plans in place. You need to have a crisis plan on how do we handle social media, because that is a very real thing. If you screw that up, you will be crucified without mercy. So make sure you've got that right. Questions, yes? Yeah, with kind of like pre-planned uh, tweets and everything and tracking all your social media like uh, activity, um, I know I know Hootsuite. Yep. Um, is there any other like apps or? I've apps? used Hootsuite. Here's, here's one big thing if you're pre-planning. Yeah, Sprout Social, that's one of the other ones I've seen. Um, when you're pre-planning content, or if you're doing the content on the fly as you go, please create that content with respect to the medium that it's going into. People behave on Twitter differently than they behave on Instagram, differently than they behave on Facebook. Your photo needs to change. Here's one thing, you can connect, um, you can connect accounts. Like I can go on Instagram and I'm going to post a photo with a cool caption and some hashtags and I tell it, share to Twitter. But then on Twitter, here's what I see. I see the you know, LA County Fair shared a photo on Instagram. Click here to see it. I'm in Twitter. I don't want to jump over to Instagram. So you should be creating those pieces of content for those platforms. Now. Here's the next catch. Different photos or different platforms have different size photos that you need to roll out. There's different dimensions. So, GIFs. what's that? You can't do GIFs on Instagram. Yeah, something like you can't do the GIFs on, on Instagram. So, what you want to do is there are multiple apps you can get. It's super easy, like Resize app and whatnot. That if you go, man, this photo is long ways, but I need it square. Well, like the native app on iPhone will set it square for Instagram. So make sure you're creating that content with respect to that platform in mind. Does that make sense? Yeah, great. Other questions? Yes? Um, have you found that there's specific days or times that are better to post than others? Absolutely. There are specific days and times that are better to post for each other than others. Here's the thing. That's for me. You have, there are ways in the analytics of posts, like you can go into your posts and your backend manager and your pages, and you can see what times more people are engaging. And the reason I can't give you more specific answers is because every fair's demographic and their communities are going to be different of when they engage. Does that make sense? Like, I can tell you Sunday morning at 9 a.m., probably not the best time because so many people are in church. Although, if you were like me in church, I would have loved to have had a cell phone back then. <laughs> but that's only because my dad was the preacher. <laughs> yeah. On, on Facebook, the ad, is there a way to post 
uh, coupons that can bring it up on their phone. Yes. When you get into the back end uh, of Facebook's ads manager, the question was, is there a way you can do a coupon code or things like that on Facebook? Yes. You get in. And what, here's what I would encourage everybody. If you have not used that back end Facebook ads manager, get in and go create something. Spend $5. Even if you don't actually deploy it, go through the process and see what the different screens say. If something comes up that you go, wait, what does that term mean? Google's your best friend. Does that answer the question? Yeah. They can get bring it up on their phone so they don't have to print it out. 100%. Yep. From Facebook. Yeah, right on the app you can do it. Other questions? Other questions? Um, I was hoping you would talk more about Twitter because I really don't understand how to use Twitter. Okay. You guys want a little primer on Twitter? Twitter's conversational. Twitter's the water cooler of our society. So, one way you could engage is to go search, just like you do on Instagram, go search. People that talk about agriculture, rodeo, 4-H, your Pima, hashtag Pima County Fair, whatever your thing is, and go engage with them. Leave a meaningful comment, not a comment that says, hey, we see you like fairs. We're having a fair. Come buy a ticket. <laughs> Leave a meaningful comment. Engage with people like that. It is the water cooler of our society. And I hear people go, eh, Twitter's not really important anymore. Twitter's now elected two presidents. <laughs> It's just the truth. Barack Obama used it very effectively. Donald Trump used it very effectively. Selected two presidents. It's still there. Other questions? Yes, ma'am. Uh, what is the right way to tap into influencer marketing? I haven't spent any money in it. Okay. I've done it very organically with them coming out themselves. Sure. Influencer marketing. The question is, how many of you tap into influencer marketing? And how do you tap into it? So. Raise your hand if you have no idea what influencer marketing is. OK, cool. That changes how I'm going to answer this question. Um, you remember back in the days, I know some people remember this, John Wayne's being the Marlboro Man, and you have celebrity endorsements. That's what they were called back then. Now we live in a world where it's called influencer marketing, where brands can connect to people who are super popular on these platforms, and then those people will put out a post promoting it. If you're the Kardashians, and you want to connect with them, it's going to cost you usually between $100,000 and $250,000 for them to make a post for you. That's a little expensive. The cool thing, though, with Instagram influencers is that the average influencer, and they don't need a million followers to be an influencer. Remember that Instagram search I showed you earlier? If you go into that and you look at top posts, you'll start to get an idea of who in your community is super popular. So what you might do is then click on their post, Click on that, the, go to their profile. In the top right corner, there's the three little lots. Bring it down to send message. Say, hey, we're, which fair are you with? Arizona State Fair. OK. Hey, we're at the Arizona State Fair. We see you, you've got really heavy engagement in our community. We'd like to talk to you about a partnership to help promote our event. Done. So, and email, find 500 of them, find 100 of them, and message them. See what happens. Some of them are going to go, uh, yeah, I need $10,000 for that post. And you're going to go, cool, next. And the next person's going to say, oh, really? Could we get a couple of tickets and a, or a ride bands? And you're going to be like, yeah, we can do that. Next person. They're going to say, uh, I want $50 for the post, and can you give me a couple tickets? OK, yeah, maybe we can. Like, that's it. Because every community is going to be different. When we think influencers, a lot of people automatically default to the Kardashians. Like, no, there are people in your community, like, literally, by the way, Mommy bloggers 
are an amazing influencer market because they put stuff out and they, like a friend of mine who um, used to live in Southern California, she's back in Texas now, she's got like 23,000 followers. Is that a lot? Well, I've got 800, so that's kind of a lot. But here's the thing, they're super loyal and engaged. So when it comes to looking at follower counts, I will say this and I will stand by on my laurels with this forever and ever, amen. If you think follower counts matter, then you have been fooled. Because followers can be bought, and they're a fake bought account out of Singapore. The other thing with followers is, oh, OK, you've got 100,000 followers, and you put a post out, and it gets three likes and two comments. Engagement rates, depending on how often they post, should be somewhere between 3 and 8 to 10%. So if somebody's got 100,000 people, if they're getting four or 5,000 engagements, they're probably legit. If they're getting seven likes, then that should throw a red flag as to whether or not they are an influencer. Does that make sense? Cool. And for if you're getting some of this, you're getting confused on, you're going, but I don't, what is this? What are lie? I'm not understanding this. Download the app. Play with it. You don't have to create an account, put all your stuff out. But play with it and learn how the app functions. That is the difference between someone who has an opinion because they read an article about Facebook or Instagram and someone who's a practitioner and understands the actual culture of what's going on on those, those platforms. Uh, we got about four more minutes. Are there any other questions? Uh, yes. Do you recommend for like businesses to use, there's like bots where you can pay them a monthly fee and like they, you put in the hashtag you want them to like, for example, Hashtag corn. So they go through that hashtag and mm -hmm. they just like every post that's hashtag corn. Okay. Again, let's market as a human being. Let's market as a business. Do you use Instagram? Yeah. How many posts do you put out on a hashtag and then you've got somebody that comes in and says, cool pick, bro? A lot. A lot, right? I delete them all the time. How does it make you feel? Do you feel engaged and you're like, wow, they really like my stuff? Or do you go, it's just a computer program that clicked like? I think you answered your question on that one. So there's, he asked about bot technology that you can say, you know, I want you to, uh, any computer program that I want us to set up Pima County Fair's thing and anybody puts hashtag Pima County Fair, I want it to just go through an auto like. Do you like, do you want a computer to engage with you or do you want a human to engage with you? And that's it. Now that said, there is bot technology getting developed. It's really big in Asia right now. It's just starting to roll into the United States, nowhere near at scale where someone can message you on Facebook Messenger that can be like, Hey, you know, Pima County Fair, what are your hours? And the bot technology recognizes it and says, hey, we're open until 10 p.m. today. Like that, as that comes out to scale, that's going to be really cool because, what's that? Disneyland does that. Yeah, Disney's got, well, of course, Disney's got the money to develop all of it. But as it starts to roll out to scale and that technology cost comes down, that's going to be so cool. Because how many of you during fair, like you said, you have two people. How, do you want that one other person till 10 p.m., till 10 p.m., till 10 p.m.? So it reminds me of one of my scenes, favorite scenes in Empire. Did you guys ever see the movie Empire Records? Thank you for calling Empire Records open until midnight. Midnight. That's what happens. It's like you don't hear. So that bot technology as it comes out will be really cool. Um, I would like to take a moment real quick and recognize someone who stepped in the room here about 10 minutes ago. Uh, when I got my start in the fair industry right here in Reno, Nevada, he was the entertainment director for the Nevada State Fair. And in that time, the I've known him for 20 years. In that time has been an entertainment mentor and has been a marketing mentor to me. Dean, would you please stand and clap it up for him? He is the one who's kind of put me on here.
Thank you, brother. I'm glad you, they, that you could make it out. Any other questions? Awesome. You guys were the best. Um, if you haven't noted my stuff down, please do. Feel free to reach out to me anytime. I'm happy to consult with you. Love you guys. Thank you. Hey, guys. Thanks so much for listening to that podcast. If you are a hardcore marketer in the fair and festival industry, please click that subscribe button. In 2019, we are committing to deliver some of the best marketing podcasts. You will hear information on Snapchat, Instagram, techniques on Facebook. All of it's coming your way. So click that subscribe button. See ya.